Cardiology Nurse Forum podcast with me, Charlie Spencer. I am Alicia Bautista, also known as Ali. And I am Alec Taylor. Hello. Ali, why don't you tell us what the forum is about? It's a safe haven for cardiac nurses who are budding developing cardiac specialist nurses to discuss and um, air their challenges in their roles. Alan, tell us why we've uh, decided to do a podcast for the forum. The forum's great with the Facebook comments. The podcast, what the podcast adds, is a bit more fluidity and you can answer questions immediately and it's a better experience and you can put a face to a name as well. Um, it's much better networking. The podcast is, uh, is, a, is a great idea. It's all my idea, I think. Um, <laughs> Almost certainly. We have been all... talking for a while, haven't we, about the idea of doing a podcast. Yeah. Uh, I think what sort of triggered this off was a question on the forum. And Karen Noy set up a meeting to try and answer that question where various teams from around the region or country that have similar service could sort of chat about what they do. And that went really well. Ali and I were on that first meeting call weren't we and it was really interesting yes i came in quite late at that point because of it issues but it is interesting in a way because it's more fluid as alec have said earlier on with regards to the discussion rather than in facebook on the wall and as you said you're right it puts the face and the name of who, who it was absolutely yeah it's a different way of engaging people isn't it they then decided to do a repeat meeting and we agreed that we'd record it so that's what we've got now really for our first podcast is a discussion around nurse-led chest pain or general cardiology assessment in different areas and it's really fascinating to hear about different services particularly for me to hearing about university hospital coventry and warrantshire's uh, set up because there are neighbors and our primary pci center so that was really good on a personal selfish note <laughs> so i don't know how the rest of you found it i mean ali was so keen um you didn't actually make the meeting and sent me I know. enthusiasm uh, i thought it was good because um lots of teams who are a bit quieter you know they're doing a lot more like outpatient clinics and i think that's brilliant and i'm envious i think it's much more challenging maybe oh uh, sorry my son just fell on his face you know I, <laughs> chin, up, chin up son um so uh well, dad of the year there dad of the year because i want to talk about the new in another podcast hopefully we'll talk about the troponin algorithms you know the new ones the yep, i think that's probably going to be our next podcast our next planned forum meeting based on the fact that all three of us are quite keen on that and have some research don't we from our uh, project absolutely so, yes uh, uh, i thought karen noy did a fantastic job of chairing this meeting great voice really engaging yes yeah fantastic radio voice better Love than voice. all of us so uh, we might have to get her to just to just do the intro and everything for the podcast i could agree with that definitely <laughs> I, I heard it i yeah. vouched well, for that yeah but it's fantastic to hear regardless of the different services we all uh, cardiology nurses seem to generally be on the same page about what we're trying to do for patients um what we hope to achieve and and how we can improve and share knowledge so i think that's fab i'd be really hopeful in future we can get some from a wider area because it just so happens it was quite local wasn't it quite sort of midlands uh, yeah, centric so if we can get some international participants that would be fantastic because i know we've got we've got a good proportion of the uh, forum membership is international isn't it i think we've got 20 30 percent are from north america and lots of people spread around the world as well so. yeah it would be good wouldn't the opinions expressed in this podcast are those of ours and individual members alone and do not represent the organisations they may work for or be affiliated with. After our last chat between us, we thought we'd meet again and try and get some more ideas from more people so that we share what different trusts are doing in terms of outreach. Because every location and every trust seems to have, obviously has its own strengths and weaknesses and resources available and not available and so services develop in different ways for those reasons but we can always gain some knowledge and insight from other people because it can help to expand and improve our services so this session will also be useful for people who want to set up outreach services i know we've had a lot of interest this hopefully will spark enthusiasm and ideas for people so if we go around those people who've got outreach services and just a very brief presentation about what you do. And then we can ask questions after each one, can't we? And then perhaps get it together right at the end to talk amongst ourselves. Does that sound right? Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So should we start with Charlie? You're not presenting your current service, are you? That's true. I am going to present the cardiac assessment 
team service at New Cross, Wolverhampton Hospital, on behalf of my former colleague, Ali, uh, Alethea Batista, who's one of their senior nurse practitioners. Um, New Cross is a big tertiary centre, so they, they do have lots of sub-teams, so heart failure team, arrhythmia teams as well. Uh, so I think there are some overlaps. I think historically and primarily it was the sort of acute coronary syndrome patients but there, there is some expansion with them looking at any sort of potential cardiac patients so people that presenting with complaints like chest pain but also some uh, other things like breathlessness that could be heart failure or palpitations or syncope that could be you know dysrhythmias um device uh, issues really just being that first port of call for any sort of cardiology problems that's immediately available in A&E and the acute medical units. I'm not sure whether Ali actually got back to me. I'll, I'll double check later and see if I can chip in the discussion later to just clarify what they do with their main STEMI uh, referrals. I've got a feeling because again it's a big tertiary centre and very busy most of the referrals are coming for the, the STEMI pathway directly to the cath lab or via the CCU but they do take referrals from wards and they do get involved in the STEMI patients that come from the air ambulance because um, obviously the logistics of, of getting them to the cath lab. They assist and offer advice to the rest of the team which I think when we've had discussions before is quite important for all services that we're you know supporting our medical colleagues um, in, in managing patients, uh, expediting investigations and identifying early discharges. Uh, as we know, that can be quite a great leverage for uh, getting tests done early. You know, if you can say, look, this is the only thing keeping this patient here. And again, having somebody to actively push for those investigations and manage that and feedback when, you know, delays in systems have caused problems is important. And then advice and discharge of patients seen as stable angina with arrhythmias that can be sort of managed uh, in the community. So really trying to get those lower risk patients out before the decision has been made for them to be admitted and the sort of ball rolls and it becomes a bit, it can become a bit tricky. And then facilitating a streamline into hospital transfer. And then this is definitely more unique for the tertiary hospitals which for those of us that work at DGHs won't have experience of other than the other end of it where you know obviously the DGHs are referring in patients for PCI so they take referrals from Warsaw Manor uh, Hospital Russell's Hall uh, and Shrewsbury and Telford hospitals so they will liaise with the, the teams there manage the referrals and ensure that, uh, that these patients are appropriately seen when they come across and are ready to go off to the cath lab so that's another part of their role and then uh, how they're delivering this at the moment is with eight to six shifts cover every day and they have at least two members of staff on and three if there's a clinic day and then one member of staff on at the weekends and the bank holidays so they're ensuring that they've got adequate staffing to, to obviously cover all those services in a large and busy hospital but I thought actually for the amount of cover that they're providing it's, it's quite tight really in the team that was got the one band 8a and then uh, three and a half full-time equivalent band sevens um, so I, I imagine it's a, bit, a little bit tight on holidays and things they do a rapid access chest pain clinic as well as part of their service so that's three days per week 12 patients per week so for four per clinic I assume but again uh, may be corrected and then they were doing regular teaching sessions and informal evening forums which were really good I went to a couple of those but unfortunately that's all on hold due to COVID the cover for ITU and wards when needed so they that that's suggesting that obviously they've they've had some redeployment within their team which we fortunately haven't experienced over here but has I know has been a real challenge for any cardiology teams that have uh, had to have staff moved. So limitations of the current service and further development, lack of a consultant lead which I think they feel would be helpful for, for guiding their development and plans, need for extended hours as a current business case for 8 to 8 cover, plans to assist in developing ECG skills of the senior staff in cardiology 
so the band sevens are working towards masters level education i know ali is very nearly completing the uh, msc in advanced practice and there's plans for the seniors to look at some extra skills echo i'm not sure whether that's performing and then obviously dse and ctca is sort of interpretation to allow them to be a bit more autonomous uh, in their practice and they use the bradford cardiac specialist modules i've got a feeling somebody else has talked about those at a previous regional meeting but i don't confess to have any knowledge of that in fact we've got off lightly here this ends with a picture of ali's lovely cat it's normally that or naked men so uh, i'm glad it's uh, it's this option as i'm presenting it thank you very much charlie who would like to go next sue would that be you Hi, we've had to join via my mobile because we've got some technical problems, I'm afraid, this end. That's okay. So we're at University Hospitals Coventry in Warwickshire. Just to give you an overview of our service, we've got eight members in our team. We've got one band eight, four band sevens and three developmental band sixes. Two of us in the team have got a Masters in Advanced Clinical Practice and are non-medical prescribers. And we're currently in the process of putting a business case forward to try and take all CMPs um, through the master's level of study. We currently cover seven days a week service and we run from half seven in the morning till eight at night, seven days a week and we try to have at least two nurses on shift on each of those days. In terms of our service remit we cover ED, acute medical admissions and the medical decisions unit which is mostly GP referrals directly in and anything medical that's non-COVID at the moment uh, goes down to MDU. We get direct bleep referrals, we have an electronic referral system um, that ourselves and the registrars pick up and we also get our ED alerts. Uh, we also have a STEMI service here so our role is to confirm STEMI, receive, treat and transfer to the lab for primaries. We get referrals for NSTEMIs, unstable anginas which again we assess, diagnose, initiate treatment and make a decision to admit there. Currently, we've got quite a good process where we can, by and large, get patients direct to the lab and then to the ward afterwards. We also see the arrhythmia patients who get alerted into resus or uh, the more stable patients through AMU and MDU. We'll also see heart failure, um, diagnosed and undiagnosed presentations. Um, we get an increasing workload of ACHD patients through as well, so we've started to expand our service to include those. We also see valve issues, syncopies, um, and we attend all cardiac arrests as well within those areas. We also run rapid access chest pain clinics. We have four clinics a week. We have six patients per clinic. Currently, that's all virtual at the moment. We're hopefully talking into bringing that back to some face-to-face -face appointments soon. We're quite lucky we've got a cardiac assessment hub now, which is open till eight o'clock in the evenings. We can admit patients up there for same day treatment with a name to get them discharged the same day. So that would be things like cardioversions, rate control, device checks and things like that. We do a lot of audit. We do the MyNAP audits. Um, we do service referrals audits and chest pain clinic audits. We're just starting to look at some research activity Again, education, we do that, but currently step down at the moment with COVID. And we've got our three band sixes that are going through developmental posts into band sevens as well. Again, we've got a lot of subspecialties here. We've got quite close networks with our heart failure arrhythmia teams. Um, we have TAVI service here. So we link in straight with our TAVI nurses, ACHD nurse specialists, cardiac rehab and DCI and cath lab team as well, as well as working quite closely with the acute medicine and ED ACPs. Um, and we also um, attend sort of our, all the MDTs um, when we can as well. We've got quite a big geographical coverage of STEMI service here. Just to give you a rough idea, our STEMI service, we had 480 patients in 2019, 431 primaries in 2020 and so far this year we've done 70 primaries so we're quite a busy service here that's a whistle stop tour of our service at UHCW. Thank you very much Sue so what's the biggest part of the job then because that's loads isn't it? <laughs> it's really really varied um, I would have said perhaps sort of four or five years ago it was predominantly chest pain assessment, ACS type patients now every day is completely different we're literally learning as we go particularly with the ACHD patients, the valves that come through. Like today, we've done our first same-day TAVI patient in the labs. So, yeah, it's, it's quite big and we're, we're quite fortunate with the hub. 
now because it means we can highlight our high-risk patients. So, for instance, today we've had a patient with ACHD present and we've managed to get her straight up to our hub and assessed, sort of uh, kept isolated because she's been shielding up there as well. So it's quite nice having that hub as an extra area for use as well. Thank you. Has anyone else got questions or comments for Sue? Sue, I just wondered, when when we cover the cardiac outreach service, we carry a bleep, getting about 30 bleeps in four hours isn't very useful because you're constantly pulled away from assessing patients. And yeah. you said you had an alert system. And I just wondered, sort of what system you use? Well, we yeah. do bleeps and I agree with you it can be a bit troublesome to have to keep answering the bleep um, for that. We've really tried to work hard with our uh, links in A&E and uh, acute med in that they will only try to bleep us for very urgent cases now and we try to encourage electronic referrals through our online referral system which we share with the registrars um, we don't cover the rest of the hospital currently the regs cover that so between us and the reg we sort of keep meeting up during the day and make sure that we're divvying up the workload so to speak but most of our referrals unless it's life-threatening now come through electronic referral system oh, that's good it's been much better to be honest because it's filtered out um sort of some of the non-cardiac um, issues. I think because it's a shared list with the regs now, people sort of think twice about referring perhaps the the, non, the non-cardiac the non cases to us. So I'd say mostly our referrals now are very appropriate um, and are very cardiac related. Would you guys agree? Yeah. 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 My name's Alec. I work in uh, Birmingham. Um, Hi. Hiya. So I came in a bit late, um, but already felt a bit stressed by the sound of your workload. Um, <laughs> so you you attend cardiac arrests across across uh, we go to easy um acute medical unit and um medical decisions unit yeah okay and um how many of you are there like per day there's two of you there now is there two two or there's one hiding there um okay. so we've two band sevens and a six on today which is quite rare we're quite lucky um but ordinarily there's at least two per shift there's normally at least a seven um a seven and a six on each shift and that's weekends as well so we're quite quite good with that yes yeah, yeah, yeah and the primary service is that how is that alerted is that through you guys through like a a phone with you guys or yeah, so our primaries uh, get alerted through Resus, who put out an alert with an ETA for us. Okay. Um, we then try, if we're working with our local ambulance service, to get all ECGs uploaded onto a system where we can see the ECGs pre-hospital. Once we've confirmed a definite STEMI, we have a service called Rapid Reach that we use that activates the on-call team if it's out of hours. And we activate that once we've confirmed STEMI. That's to try and cut down the number of um, false alarms that we're getting for the okay. team out of hours. And so that that system is you just alert it and it calls like all the staff that it needs to yes. make numerous calls. Just it comes on a an iPhone system which all the staff carry um, and it's extremely loud so no one can sleep through it if it goes off um, and uh, switchboard just check that everyone's responded in the team that needs to once that's activated. Yeah that's really handy we um, so we have to make like numerous phone calls to people and it, it's really awkward and sometimes we're traveling with a patient and making yeah. lots of phone calls and then people trying to ring us it's uh, it's yeah, quite awkward, really. So that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty much with one push of the button, the whole team yeah. knows. As you say, you quite often need to be with the patient and not ringing everyone. So, okay, thank you. Is that Charlie wants got a question? Thanks. That's a really interesting presentation, and I understand the alert process comes through Resus, and then obviously you do everything you can to confirm that ahead of time. Yeah. To, as you say, make sure the the alerts are appropriate for the for the actual cath lab team. Um, so out of hours, you're not covering nights at the moment, are you? So out of hours, does that default to CCU or um, uh, so how, how does that happen? Out of hours, we, we have a cardiology reg rotor. They do 24 hour on call and they hold the STEMI bleep. So they activate it the same way we would. They all have access to the ambulance system um, and they will check a pre-hospital ECG. Um, failing has been able to get hold of a pre-hospital ECG. We have to wait for the patient to arrive. And we'll activate it once we've got eyes on ECG and patient. So perhaps there has been a little bit more delay to that. 
but we are hopefully trying to liaise with our local ambulance services, West Mids. Um, we're trying to get hold of East Mids system as well so that we can access that as well so that we can get all um, ECGs pre-hospital um, and activate that as soon as possible. Yeah, I, don't, I understand that's a real challenge having to deal with two different ambulance services. Yeah. Especially I think when, uh... they had previously filed getting it to CCU to activate that, but I think that they they couldn't always guarantee that they could access the pre-hospital ECGs. Yeah, so. if you got the reg there 24, then that works. So basically when you're there, you hold it and then it defaults to the, the registrar. Uh, yeah, the phone blinks as well, so he gets all the alerts as well. So to be honest, we usually sort of meet at recess anyway, um, unless they're tied up. But yeah, we'll usually nine times out of 10 get a pre-hospital ECG if it's a local crew. Ah, good. That's great. Thanks. Thank you. OK, who who's next? Is it Warwick and is Natalie able to do it? I, Somebody I've offer. I've got it dealing with a plumbing problem. <laughs> so you're busy? Yeah, I'm under a sink. Yeah. Is it Alec from Birmingham? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can <laughs> chat if you want, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I can give you a sort of brief overview. So, so we're a team of about eight, eight nurses and is a mixture of band sixes and band sevens. So the sort of ceiling level is is band seven. Um, and people usually come in at band six and it's a, a developmental post and they go up to a seven. So our main sort of bread and butter is uh, that we have the STEMI phone. So we have like a baton phone um, that goes to shift to shift. So we don't have a phone on CCU. And it sounds like we're quite similar to the Coventry model in terms of we can view the ECGs. But invariably, the referrals will come for the ambulance service. There's two hospitals in our trust, usually three as well. So there's uh, Good Hope and Solihull and Heartless Hospital. So we will get the sort of STEMI alerts for the patients in those hospitals and then pre-hospital with West Midlands Ambulance Service. Um, with the ambulance service, we can, the usual practice is that we look at an ECG first. So when I first started about five years ago, they would just talk to us and say, you know, I've got this patient and they've got this much ST elevation and we'd alert the lab based on that. But now the, the practice has changed really to them just saying, can you look at this ECG? Even if it's a barn door, they'll say, have a look at this ECG. So that's quite nice. So on our phone, the actual alert phone, we've got like um, the web page that we can access the electronic EPRF and the ECG. So that's quite good. Also handy in terms of um, if people want to look at or the ambulance service want to look at old ECGs and maybe leave people at home. So it's kind of gone from one side of care to the to the other. So um, someone who's acutely unwell with ST elevation and they want to alert the lab to someone who they think is all right and they want to leave at home. Um, so they'll, um, they're happy on that. Say if someone's got a left one fallen over and they've not. We then activate the cath lab, but very much via, so we ring um, CCU who activates the lab. There's no sort of sexy alert service that does it all for us, unfortunately. Even out of hours or, or in hours, we meet the patient at different entrances to the hospital and then whip them up to the cath lab or whip them up to CCU. So we've usually got about 10 minutes where we assess the patient. And sometimes it's a bit tricky. So we'll have the cath lab ringing our alert phone when we're en route with the patient, trying to get information from them and assessing them. So there's some elements of it which are a bit frustrating, really. It seems to work okay. Um, in terms of numbers, I know we're busy. It, they f it feels busy, but I know our numbers match that. But I don't. I don't have any official figures. We are in the same trust as the QE, but they have a different alert service. They um, and I think they have a CCU activated one. Apart from the STEMIs, we see patients. So a similar sort of patient demographic to the um, the COV guys. So uh, acute arrhythmias and chest pain. Chest pains are sort of bread and butter. So any sort of ACS questions or people that they want to send home or the medical team wants to send home and yeah they might get us involved in heart failure patients maybe if they're acutely in pulmonary edema um, they might want us to see them early doors in recess um, and you know whether or not they need CPAP in um, CCU uh, but apart from that it's a bit hit and miss with the failure patients. It's increased somewhat our workload maybe because Solly Hall has sort of closed and is now a um, cold zone or uh, elective hospital where we do surgeries and stuff and uh, trying to keep it clean hospital so cardiology wards moved from Solihull to Heartland so it would seem that we've got more beds to play with but it 
it just seems as sort of congested as ever, really. So we're seeing a few more patients who maybe would have gone to Solihull A&E or MAU directly from the community coming to our hospital. Get involved with uh, ROSCs in ED and, yeah, arrhythmias, chest pains, uh, syncopes if they think it's cardiac or they want some monitoring. We have a nurse consultant who sort of takes overall clinical uh, leadership and uh, we have a line manager as a matron. Um, but yeah, 24-7 at the Heartland site. We do what sounds like what the cough guys do over at Good Hope, so sort of 7 till 7.30. And that's, we don't have the PCI phone over there, so it's a bit nicer really in terms of you can uh, see patients and not get disturbed with primary PCI, so it's always good. Uh, the difference, I suppose, uh, with us and the cough lot is that we, we, we're certainly not on the arrest calls. Um, we don't go to arrests. Obviously, if there's cardiac arrests going off in the cath lab or... If there's ROSC coming into ED, then uh, we'll go to those, but um, not routinely in hospital. Thank you. So do you rotate between the hospitals then? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's a a bit hit and miss, really. I think we're at um, sort of capacity. Our team's at full strength. We we can staff it most days, but I think Good Hope gets uh, missed from time to time. Certainly Heartlands, uh, that our site that needs the PCI cover, um, certainly gets... Uh, the staffing if there's shortfalls um, but yeah we'll rotate there's no um you know you don't have to set like sit certain competencies it's all fairly similar that must be good that you all work um around the feeding hospitals as well as the, the primary site yeah no it's good yeah it's good to yeah deal with patients at other sites where you you don't have sort of access to the cath lab yeah, nip up I understand. Yeah. yeah and just uh, say can you do this patient which is uh, you get a bit, it's a bit frustrating as well sometimes. You certainly know who to talk to when you're over at the Good Hope site. So when we see patients at Heartlands, we've got an electronic referral service and a bleep. So we try to get more electronic referrals. So we usually go through that with the reg in the morning. So they have um, a reg in the morning, a reg in the afternoon, and we usually go through those re- referrals together. It depends really which registrar you've got on, and um, you know you can certainly learn a lot. How much autonomy you've got depends on who you're with, working with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can't officially sort of discharge as nurses, but it really depends who's asking the question. So if it's acute medicine and it's a consultant or or a registrar or an ED, if a registrar, you know, you're talking to them, then you can sort of say, you know, plans are reasonable and you can give them advice and they're happy to take that. And so, yeah, not necessarily discharging sort of on our own backs, but, you know, you can certainly give some strong advice and try and influence discharges. Um, but, yeah, mainly it's uh, the registrar or the consultant. Good, the Good Hope site, so the other site, we work directly with the cardiologist on call. So it's a bit better in that respect because you get to learn from the consultant directly. And it's sort of their name going on the uh, referral, on the review. So they like to get involved with um We've got some questions. So I think Charlie put his name up, his hand up first. I don't know why Charlie's asking. He knows everything about the Well, let's see what he says. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm just uh, chipping in now. I can give you some numbers from back in 2016 or something. In 2015 to 16, you did primary PCI on 418 patients and then uh, PCI on end stemmies of about about the same sort of number, 400. But um, it's always been the case, I think, at Heartlands that it's very busy for the size of the site and the resources of the department. So, you know, again, it's rare if you think about those kind of numbers that you don't have a, a reg on call overnight. What else did I have for you? Yeah, the alerts, I was collecting alerts uh, back when I used to work with you at one point. There's about 160 to 180 calls per month, 80% of which was directly from the ambulance service. And obviously, maybe 20%-ish were were actually STEMIs that were, were taken. So uh, I think that probably illustrates your point about or all the other advice you give, which certainly I know the ambulance service, sometimes it's frustrating, but I do think it provides quite a good service in terms of you being able to divert people to other sites. Yeah, that was just me putting my two pennies worth in. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. Have you got a question? Oh, yeah, just your role of your nurse consultant, are they mostly clinical or are they managerial as well? Yeah, so um, it's changed. Her role's changed a bit 
during COVID, she's had to take some clinical responsibility in terms of being a consultant on call for the cardiology ward that came across from Sully Hall, from the other hospital that came and sort of based itself in our hospital. And then over at our other hospital, Good Hope, the one which is still running, uh, she does um, sort of second on-call consultant rota there as well. Um, other than that, she does like rapid access clinics and she's trying to introduce advanced practice roles onto our wards. So she doesn't do clinical shifts with our team anymore. She did do, but um, she certainly hasn't got the time anymore to do that. Does she sit mostly over your team or does she have involvement with the wider cardiology department? Yeah, so she, um, in terms of clinical, she helps all of our sort of nurse team, so the rehab, heart failure, across all sites, yeah, within our cardiology directorate. Great, thank you. Thanks very much. Has anyone else got anything you'd like to ask? Pretty um, overwhelming workload from Coventry and Heartlands. <laughs> it's interesting to hear how different their workload is compared to what we get in Warwick. Yes, definitely, definitely. We've got a much more mixed bag, haven't we? Yeah, we're much more heavily in the heart failure. Yeah. Tash, if Nat's busy, would you be able to present what we do at Warwick? I can give people a vague overview. Yeah, I don't have a presentation or anything. So in Warwick, it's a fairly newly set up service, really, mostly since Charlie came over to us from Heartlands. And I think he's tried to emulate that model to some extent, although our workload is very much more about heart failure and arrhythmia management as opposed to ACS as we don't do PCI in Warwick. So everybody is referred out, usually up to Coventry or down to Worcester. We're a team of four ACPs and two nurse specialists who have a bleep that we share out between us from Monday to Friday, eight till six. We spend a lot of time in A&E and acute medicine, supporting them with admissions to, to the cardiology department triaging which patients need to come to us and which patients don't and things like that and helping support rapid discharge and rapid follow-up. We also have three consultant clinic slots every day in the ambulatory care department that we triage patients for so that people can go home from A&E or from acute medicine and come back and see cardiology the next day or in a few days time. We do the prescribing for the patients having iron infusions that falls under our remit. They come into ambulatory care, heart failure patients referred by sometimes with, from within the ACP team, sometimes from consultants, sometimes from the heart failure team in the community. And we also run rapid access chest pain, arrhythmia and heart failure follow-up clinic. Whilst the, the majority of our role, the focus is on admissions and expediting discharges and managing things down at the front end of the hospital we also cover the wards so any heart failure patients any patients with af patients with weird ecgs we get all kinds of weird and wonderful questions about anticoagulation and all that kind of thing as well cardiac drugs we support the wards with anything cardiac really they will bleep us for all manner of things and then sometimes it's a case of seeing the patient sometimes we can advise them over the phone yeah it's shared out between the there's three well we've got three qualified acps and one trainee acp and two band six specialist nurses and there is a consultant allocated as well to go to for senior support if we is that a summary suitable summary yeah. That was good, Tash. Thank you. Has Charlie got anything to add? You know, I've always got something to add. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, thanks, Tash. So the historical model here was we have a very experienced nurse specialist, Sue Haskins, who's a band six, but very experienced and very skilled. And she has developed this role, what the, was called the cardiology pool. So it, it would be her going around with a consultant as a consultant on call for the week to see all sort of referred cardiologists patients and also do some triage in A&E and things so she'll be giving some advice directly herself very much like Al kind of said assisting with discharges but on the sort of advice guidance without formal clinical assessment or prescribing and formal discharge but again being hugely knowledgeable and experienced and just you know you know when somebody's just knows how everything in a place ticks and you can just get things done test expedited and and get the right care to the right person at the right time uh, which was fantastic at 
and but really the workload had, had steadily increased and certainly I when Sue had been off we started really because the rest of our role it's only part of the ACP's role that we uh, support what, what is now dubbed the cardiology outreach service uh, to save the connotations of going on the pull with the old uh, pull service which didn't, <laughs> didn't go down so well um, <laughs> But so we um, really were filling the role. They would have trust grade registrars that, that, that weren't on training programs and they felt they got poor value from those. So they reinvested the, the, the money into ACP. So our primary remit was to sort of fill some of that middle grade gap, supporting the ward, supporting clinics and a whole number of things. Um, so but then it, they decided to expand the team further and we were just two, me and Natalie, and then we two new members of staff with Karen and Natasha, who was already with us. And another role which is uh, fantastic and uh, but part of that was how do we best utilize and it was uh, you know agreed that the best way to do that was to really enhance the front door service and the urgent care service so when um, we joined so there are three members of staff there's there's a nurse if sue's not around we've now got dave who's who's with us on the call uh, oh no he said sorry he's had to run so he was here and he's gone otherwise i'd ask for, for his view and we joined and the, the reason was there were lots of sort of gaps where you know consultants might be on call but they've got their own things they've got the cath lab or a clinic in the an urgent clinic in the afternoon or a TOE list or something like that that would mean they might not be available at key times and then really cover was very haphazard so by having an ACP allocated it always means that there's there's somebody a bit more senior for the the to 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 help the specialist nurse out so uh, we will see some in patients independently. The consultants will see some patients independently. Uh, obviously, we liaise together where necessary. But what that means is it also frees the specialist nurse up to see people independently and really get to the front door and do that triage role, which is so vital in making sure that patients aren't missed and we support the front door teams in making the right decision. So uh, so that's where we're at now. We're very well staffed, obviously, for the workload compared to some of the other teams we've been hearing about but we're not currently covering weekends but we've really looked to enhance that so as Tash said we've got two new urgent clinics we've had a half failure post discharge for a while but we have a an AF and a chest pain clinic and really the idea was for a long time had these three slots per day that the consultants see so you can get a next day or a next couple of days cardiology appointment which I've always thought is an, an amazing service I've never heard of anything like it elsewhere but it was a bit frustrating and a bit of a waste of time when you that was was open for acute medicine and A&E to refer into because you'll see the you know the sort of low risk chest pains and, and palpitations filling those slots so the idea was we set up these ACP clinics which mainly run remotely now um, so that we can filter out all those uh, lower risk cases and really put into those slots the high risk patients so actually a lot of those come from GP referrals now so all the GP referrals get triaged before they're put into clinics so if there's somebody for example with a new heart failure symptoms and a BMP of 2000 rather than sitting in a, a waiting list where they might get seen in a general clinic in three months uh, we'll pop them into one of those slots and 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 get their ex their their reco and treatment expedited so uh, that's the plan and the kind of model and uh, but uh, all work in progress and I'm sure as uh, everybody experiences there's all, lots of challenges uh, in terms of you know how you best position your services what whatever you do um but we're fortunate uh, you know with the, the acp model that we're fairly independent in our decision making we can discharge and, and admit and clerk and uh, and all the things if we want to do obviously then we're also free to discuss with a consultant and get support where we need it so that does slightly change the model uh, you know i think there's a good argument when you're starting out in these things for to potentially make the remit a little bit narrower especially if you're you're developing nurses into a role to make sure they're they're adequately supported and not overwhelmed Anyway, I'll shut up there because I'll go on all day, won't I? Nat, do you want to add to that? Well, I was trying to put my hand down, actually, because, of course, Charlie's <laughs> said it all and more. <laughs> said it all. Um, so there's, there's nothing left to say. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Nat. Sue, have you got questions? I have. It sounds like you do a lot of heart failure, Charlie, over there and arrhythmia. Um, 
Do you have arrhythmia and heart failure subspecialty teams over there that you feed into or do you sort of see everything yourselves? Yeah, no, not really. Again, it's part of being a small team. So there are we have heart failure nurses are community based, but it's a an interesting model here there in that the community, the the trust own the community service as well. So it's sort of separate but sort of joined up. Um, we did, there was funding for a half-time equivalent heart failure nurse, but then a, a post opened in the community and the, the nurse that was doing half community, half in hospital, uh, moved to that full-time community. They've just recently dramatically expanded the community team up to four uh, nurses, which is fantastic, but they're, you know, their service is in development and they're, they're being pulled in a lot of directions, but, but having some sort of in-reach or them coming in is, is sort of part of the plan but we've yet to sort of nail down how that's going to work. So really, you know, cardiology is just cardiology is the sort of approach that we have. And as, you know, ACPs or, or specialist nurses, it's it's really refreshing, certainly for me, because I'm, I'm learning loads, whereas I was a bit frustrated previously of feeling a little bit pigeonholed into, into one kind of role, and it was a bit clear of, of what I can and can't do. Here, there's no such limits, but um, obviously a whole different host of challenges that go with it. We don't have an arrhythmia nurse, but we do have a device nurse, uh, Donna McDonald, who's fantastic. Uh, she's been off shielding most of, of COVID, but when she is in the hospital, she she's very active with the device patients and has a lot of overlap with heart failure because of the, the sort of complex device patients. So undoubtedly, as when she's back, there will be interaction with those. So I think there will be an interaction with other teams. Otherwise, we have um, a nurse specialist, Chu Tap, who's been with us a long time that does the cardio version service, but that's really limited to the to the cardio version and some of the clinics with consultant support. Um, and that service has been supported, again, because of gaps in the service by... Um, uh, Tash, uh, uh, trainee ACP, who's just describing our service, who's, who's done a great job at helping to sort of modernise the service and really make sure that we're meeting the, the targets for that. So, um, yeah, there's lots of things going on, but yeah, no other real sort of specific teams, um, Sue, if that answers your question. It does. I think it's really nice to hear as well that you embrace the general cardiology approach. I mean, I think that we can definitely say the last five years we've expanded beyond being simply chest pain assessment and taken on a whole general cardiology approach which has been really good because we've all learned so much as we've gone along with really supportive consultants so we're quite fortunate in that sense yeah, yeah. that sounds fantastic it's uh, yeah. you know it is i think you learn from every different setting you do don't you so i think doing clinics is another thing that i'm uh, keen on that was uh, limited in a previous role as well because i think you learn how to better manage acute patients by doing clinics and you learn and vice versa because you it's a very different ball game isn't it yeah definitely and the older our patients are getting the more they have a complex presentation don't they so pigeonholing doesn't work anymore at all does it absolutely thank you so who else is left to present which other areas i'd love to know how becky you're getting on hi everybody so yeah, so we've made some progress, actually. So Salisbury, um, I feel a bit small compared to some of the services that have been described so far, but we have four part-time heart failure nurses and one part-time arrhythmia nurse. We also have two part-time chest pain nurses, but they're basically an outpatient. So rapid access, cardiology, cardiac CT and the non-invasive ischemic tests. So I kind of reached out to the forum to see what was happening because I felt quite strongly that we probably needed an ACS service within Salisbury. We do have a Monday to Friday STEMI service out of hours it goes to Bournemouth or Southampton. So I wasn't quite sure where to start really. So I thought I'd lean on people who are clearly much more experienced in this than we are to see how we could go forward. What we've had at the moment is one of the consultants in ED has got some funding for trialling the new two-hour troponin blood test. And so from that, I got a part-time band six secondment who's working with her, but also enabling us to engage with ED, AMU and the cardiologist to start the ball rolling with a beginnings of a discussion of a very new service within Salisbury. And it's already gaining huge momentum. Everybody is super keen for it to keep going. And having that trust engagement, I think, will really help our business case to get this established as a permanent service at Salisbury. We're still quite early. I'm super enthusiastic about it, but 
I think we've got a way to go to get the money for the permanent position. But it's just knowing which patients are the best patients. When we're starting off, obviously, you know, it's how you triage and which patients do an ACS nurse see and which, you know, what's the sort of referral criteria. And that's sort of what I wanted to sort of listen to all of you talk about and, and, and see how you started so that I could bring that to Salisbury and develop with the patients that we have here. I don't know if you have any questions. I was going to say, if I may. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I actually, um, so I've been in Coventry now for three years, but prior to that, and I'm assuming, is that Karen McDonough there? Hello, yes, it is. Hi, Karen. <laughs> Hello. I came from Kettrim, and when I was first in Kettrim, we hadn't got an outreach service, and I trialled it Monday to Friday, 8 till 4, <laughs> before we went completely live. And similar to you from what you're saying, it was so successful, we actually then went completely live 24-7 within three months um, okay. with our primary service as well. I am talking about... This is probably about 13 years ago now. I based myself in ED to try and make sure I was capturing the right patients because I was worried that people wouldn't necessarily refer to me at first. So I used to literally sit in ED and I'd hear the word chest pain or something and I'd be like twitched and I was sort of ferrying away. I have to be honest and say I'm not certain it was definitely the right way because what I actually found was there was too much work for me. And then I, it was very much actually educating them that it was cardiac sounding chest pain that I wanted, as opposed to seeing anything that was chest pain related with costochondritis type thing. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a bit of a learning curve for me, but I have to be honest and say it was successful. It did work. And, and I know that the cardiac outreach at, um, at Ketrin is a successful service, so I mean, obviously, I've left now a long ago. So it's nothing to do with me now. <laughs> I know that when Sally from Coventry, but you were based down in ED when you were first set up, weren't you? Yeah, we were under ED for several years, and now we've come under cardiology in the last five to six years. Um, that was historical from when it was a thrombolysis service, though. Really, it's just it's just really good to hear about how other services. You know, I'm a, I'm one of the heart failure nurses actually, so I'm now the lead cardiac nurse but my background isn't ACS really so it's leaning on others who have that expertise and to know what I can bring back to start discussions in, in the trust you know it's just really helpful to me to know what's being done elsewhere. I think one thing that's really important in commentary recently is um, managed to refine a fairly good referral system now that we do tend to see just you know true cardiology referrals which is quite good. And adding on from that, I can tell the difference from moving from Kettering to now obviously going to Coventry. And I mean, since I've been in Cov, we we have changed that referral system because we had a lot of problems in the last sort of year or so, two years, where we were getting lots of inappropriates. But you needed to see the inappropriates almost in a small DGH. Well, it was almost yeah. to get people to learn to trust you. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was more about getting to be seen at the time because they'd never had anything like that before. To go in and then start seeing patients, it, it was, I don't think it would have worked. Whereas in a, in a fairly small DGH, um, I mean, Kettering's about 500, 600 beds. It worked to go and base myself down there. And I have to be honest and say, I did see inappropriates but it worked. Whereas in Coventry, it definitely wouldn't work. <laughs> I'm, I'm just wondering whether Karen would come in now and talk to us about where Kettering's at now. Under a little bit. Thanks, Karen. No worries. Hello, everyone. We're at Kettering General, so likely that Sarah's already pointed out we are a 24-7 service. There is eight of us in the team. We've got two that are band six and developmental and then the rest are all band sevens and we've got our band 8a who's our nurse matron uh, karen roberts and basically we work with either one or two of us on a shift but then on nights we're on our own we continue to go for any cardiac sound and chest pain we either get referrals by bleep or by electronic now the registrars get referrals via their electronically via anybody in A&E or in on the wards which has helped an awful lot. We used to have a cardiac chest pain unit unfortunately that's been taken off us 
through COVID. So originally what we used to do is we got bleeped or we got to see a patient in a knee. We thought they were stable enough. We would then bring them to chest pain unit and we would continue seeing them there, get all their observations, wait for the obviously troponins, etc., and have the registrar to see them, which was a really good and great service. Fortunately, that's got taken off us because of the COVID situation. We can't, it's a really small room. So now it's a case of going to A&E and seeing them in there. We also have referrals go for rapid access chest pain clinic that goes for the registrars. Recently started last couple of months a post-MI clinic, which is slowly being nurse-led. So that's very, very new intervention for us. It's going really well, uh, but we're only seeing certain criteria patients for that until it actually gets more development. During the evenings, our registrars go to bed, they're on call from midnight, um, which then leaves us to uh, assist in anything that's going on in CCU and in A&E and if any cardiacs and just we will end up going to see them. Also, we get called for any primaries. We will also alert and activate the cath lab if required to. All the primary calls go straight to CCU and we'll then intervene with them and see what we think. We'll either activate the lab or ask them to go to A&E and we'll discuss it with the registrars and consultants as well if necessary and then call them all in. We get some that are clearly not the MIs which are the, the difficult ones I think that's just further education. It's more so the, uh, the tachyarrhythmias that we, we get when we end up dispersing them to A&E but I think that's just Emas learning. I'm sad that you lost the chest pain unit. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say, Sarah. We are definitely uh, very sad. Um, hopefully we'll get it back, but it's going to be probably a year yet. It's still yeah. our department. It's just... Right, I'm mindful of time, obviously, because, you know, it is late in the evening. There are obviously common themes, aren't there, that a lot of it starts with chest pain and maybe develops as the trust requires it to. We've got lots of different skills and experience from all these different trusts as well, different people working at different levels. Um, There seems to be a lot of training posts, which is wonderful to hear, isn't it? That this this is a service which is constantly developing and there's new people coming up with the skills. That's very reassuring. Okay, well, shall I round it up? Really, really good. Really interesting from my perspective. It's absolutely fascinating what we're all doing. And amazing that we've all managed to keep our services running through the year that we've all just had and um, done a pretty good job of it, I think, by the sounds of things. So, and hopefully we've got a better year ahead. (laughs) 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 All right. Thank you very much, everybody. And, uh, well, and thank and you for chatting on the forum. Thank you very much, Charlie, for sorting Thanks. out the forum.